Yowie wowie! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your featured attraction, Brian Dusky. I am the certified addict for Mary Jane, the fantastic Mr. Nikki Fontaine. Ladies, please don't pull on my silk draws. Oh man, what a week it has been in the wrestling world. It was a hell of a week last week, uh, and it's been an even crazier week this week. Lots of shows, lots of stuff going on. Very exciting stuff, wrestling fans. Um, I always find it funny when people say shit like uh, uh, wrestling fans or like as the add-on to a sentence. Like it sounds like an old like 1940s like baseball <laughs> announcer. Like, hello wrestling fans. Hello wrestling fans. Welcome to the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Ah, uh, bullet day for you. Today's episode is simply berries. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just love shit like that. And uh, you know, uh, today we're sipping on a little Four Roses bourbon because we like to have a good time when we record this little podcast. A little bit of the drink. Not not a little bit of the bubbly, but a little bit of the brown. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, if you say, these guys are on to something. Yes, we are. It's called liquor. Yes. So, um, how was your week? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, like I said, it's... It, I we just talked about it earlier. I saw Joker this week. I actually saw that in the middle of Hell of a... Not really the middle, but I uh, walked out after the uh, Bailey-Charlotte match... Uh, went and saw Joker and came back and my Twitter feed was a was a was a on fire because uh, I hadn't seen the rest of the show uh, later on that though but uh, yeah pretty good week solid so far uh, it feels like I'm like knee deep or at least neck deep in pro wrestling by this point with all the content I feel like I needed a break after Sunday and then had to dive right into Raw maybe at this point because we kind of have to watch it you know whether I wanted to or not <laughs> but I had to uh, but no it's, it's been a kind of a steady thing how about you uh, yeah mine was pretty good like I, I saw I saw Joker I, I think it was on a Friday maybe a Saturday yeah it was on Saturday I saw Joker and then uh, Sunday, I actually was planning on watching Hell in the Cell live. Uh, I, I usually like to watch wrestling uh, pay per views on as they're happening because, like, you know, I like to kind of be in that moment. But uh, a friend of mine invited me out to go watch uh, Chiefs game. We live in Kansas City and watch the Chiefs game with him. And I was like, sure, why not? And then, so then after before it, I saw like the first two matches. And then I went and I watched the game with him. And I got back around eleven thirty or so. And then I watched the rest of the show. Uh, and yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get to all that. Like I said. Um, so, okay. So we're going to start off as we uh, usually do um, with our three count. And then we're, we're actually going to transition after that. We're going to talk about our moment of the week. It's something we're going to start doing where we're basically going to talk about what was our favorite thing from the weekly shows this week. Uh, they're usually going to be, you know, uh, NXT or AEW. But in case, you know, Vince and Heyman pull something out of their ass... And actually do something good on Raw, we'll mention it. But uh, that'll be our moment of the week. And then we're, our special segment for today is we're going to talk about... Uh, Booking woes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, a bookpocalypse, if you will. Uh, we're going to talk about some bad booking that we have seen recently. That's going to be our special segment of the day. But first off, we're going to go to the three count. So uh, the first thing I want to... I, I think is important to address is... This whole uh, thing with Hulk Hogan. Uh, so Hulk Hogan, for those who don't know, was being interviewed by the LA Times. And he, he was quoted and saying that he was recovering from surgery. And when he recovers from a surgery, he wants to train his ass off. And he wants one last match because he doesn't like the fact that his career ended in TNA. Insert every legend ever. Um, and so he wants to have one last hurrah, basically, and he wants to have it with 70-plus-year-old Vince McMahon. Um, I have a lot to say about this, but before I do, I'll, I'll give the, the floor to you. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, old Terry wants another WrestleMania check. I mean, another WrestleMania match. And, um, you know, that's not surprising. You know, old Terry's in it for the money. That's, that's what he is. I mean, I think that's probably why he's tried to, you know, walk the line and, you know, make his apology tour and, Kind of easing his way back into the good graces of WWE just enough because he mean I think he knows me. If we if you know Hulk Hogan, he's about that dollar. And old Terry is definitely looking to get one last good payday out of him. I mean he's gonna get that sweet Saudi money coming here with uh him and old Rick, but I mean that's just not enough. Old Terry Express runs big, you know. Don't that don't run on electricity. It's a it's a not a hybrid car. Old Terry runs on diesel power. Ask Kevin Nash. So I, I you know here's the thing. 
is uh, I remember about six or seven years ago, he was kind of saying the same thing uh, when he like first made that initial return to WWE before, you know, the whole video came out. Um, or I guess it was audio, but before that whole thing happened, he kind of wanted to do it the was whole... both. Yeah. <laughs> so, and at that time, I thought it was a bad idea, but I was like kind of like accepting of it. I was like, ah, maybe if it's like really quick match and it's like, the right person, like maybe this could work. Um, but I still hated it in general. And I remember at that time, he's like, I want a world, I want a world title run, and I'm like, oh god. Um, so I'm just gonna be honest here. Um, when he said this, uh, I turned on my Adam call and said, "Shut up, Hulk!" <laughs> you know that was my honest reaction. Uh, so okay, so let's talk about the Vince and, and and Hulk thing. So I am actually a big fan of the WrestleMania 19 bout. Uh, I watched WrestleMania 19 probably 20 times. It's my personal favorite WrestleMania. I love it so much, and I think that match is really good. Um, it's not like a work of art by any means, but I think if you're talking about spectacle, if you're talking about an entertaining match, that's uh, it's one of the great examples I can pull out. Uh, there, there's some issues with it because I think that Vince should have won that match because Hulk freaking left the company not too long after that, and they had a great spot for for uh, Hulk to lose because Rowdy Piper came in and knocks him out. Well, you know Terry's going over. Yeah, so <laughs> so it was just like it was like it was the way they booked it made sense for Vince to win with the whole Piper thing, but then Piper does his thing, but yet Hulk still kicks out and has his little moment. So I, you know, I enjoyed that match. But here's the thing: that was over 15 years ago. I mean, that was not a good match as far as athleticism or anything like that goes, and that was 15 years ago. Like, no one is clamoring for this. I mean, the only reason that Hulk is doing this is for himself. He, he is wanting to service himself. Well, Hulk, I want you to go home, Florida man. <laughs> Get some Viagra and lock the doors because no one wants to see this shit. It's six, like I said, it's about 16 years ago. And like I said, I'm not surprised. Here's the thing. Vince is never known for a big you know, technical hoorah in, in the ring. That's not what Vince does. Uh, and, but it's also been, I don't know, who was Vince's last in-ring opponent? Was it Punk? I mean, I don't, I mean did he get in the ring with anybody else after that? I I, I mean if anybody I don't, I don't think so like I know he did, he's done spots he's done like, some spots oh. he took the he took the head button and the frog splash from Kevin Owens you know not too long ago uh, but I don't think he's done a full on match I think maybe since that match he had that one on one he had with Punk wasn't and that on a Raw that was on a Raw yeah that's quick thing, yeah. yeah but um yeah that's 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 what that and, and like I said Hogan has even said years before that after he, you know, he is that you know he spent X amount of years falling on his butt doing a leg drop. And his, you know, his, I think his, 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 like his tailbone is shifted into his spine. Like he's, he's, I don't know, he's, his body is fucked up. And that's, that's been well documented that he really probably shouldn't go at this point. So all personal bullshit aside, neither one of them belong in a ring, let alone taking up a mania spot from anybody on the current roster. So that's really where my biggest problem, I don't, like, I am accepting enough to have Hulk Hogan come in, you know, give a couple of brothers, do a couple of, you know, flexing and whatever. But I, I don't think anybody needs to lose their spot at WrestleMania to Hulk and Vince. It's a seven-hour fucking show. Yeah. So. If, uh, so, if Hulk pulls this off and he has this match, that match is going to make Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon look like Omega versus Okada. Because it's going to be garbage. Oh, God. So, uh, so okay, so moving on, uh, another another big thing uh, in the actual real world of WWE uh, is the WWE draft is coming up. Now, in the last six months or so, WWE has ignored that there is a brand split. And now they're like, we're going to go back to it. Uh, for how long? We'll see. Um so yeah, they're they're doing the the draft thing this week. Uh, the big thing for me, I mentioned this to you off air. I, I question how they're pulling this off because they, when you do drafts, like obviously certain people are wanting to make uh, each show good, right? And so they have commissioners, they have uh, general managers and stuff like that. So I just question who, like who's making these picks because they don't really have anybody assigned to shows like you could have maybe argued that Shane was mostly Smackdown but I mean you know he's gone now so that's not a thing so I, I just don't really know where they're going with that um, they announced the the whole uh, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins and the winner of their show gets the first pick 
Um, so I don't really know how they're pulling this off. But what do you think about it? I, from what I understand, because I think I saw a list, and I think it's like several uh, personalities and celebrities, even sports analysts from both Fox and USA, are uh, going to you know do the actual names for the uh, the draft uh, on each respective show because they're doing it fr- Friday and Monday night. Uh, so I think that's how they're running it. Uh, obviously, I think you know one of the things that's good about you know Fox's deal with them is they're going to maybe kind of shifting them into more sports oriented kind of uh, programming. So I, I definitely think both both networks have a lot to lose and gain from this. Obviously, uh, they both have their own interests. Raw or USA USA does not want Raw to develop to divulge into the B show. Fox has spent a lot of fucking money uh, putting SmackDown on. They're blowing it out the ass on every weekend on the, during the NFL if you're not, if you're watching it on Sunday. So I think the networks are probably going to have a lot of say. Uh, on 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 which who lands on which show? Uh, I remember I know I've heard that uh, I think SmackDown or Fox really wants Bray on uh, on Friday nights. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they also want Becky. Um, I mean I don't know what my biggest confusion of what they're going to end up doing with the titles on each show because uh, that they're saying I think everybody's up for grabs. Was that mean champion like you know mid card and top card champions? Or does that mean the women's champion? Does, Be- does Becky somehow end up on SmackDown as Raw Women's Champion? Uh, so those are my kind of questions. Are those are there any of those lines going to actually cross like that? Uh, but it's, it should be interesting. To see, I think I think this draft will stick specifically because of the different brands. Like you're not going to be just on USA, so you're not like you're not. Each each network has a lot to gain by having their their stars exclusive. So I mean that's my take on that. Yeah, and I'm excited for the draft. I think it's going to be interesting. I just there's there's a few things. It's I, a needed thing. I mean, yeah. when I say I'm excited, I'm excited because something needs to be shaken up. Yeah. Uh, because you know I think the waters are too muddy with the whole wild card rule and everything. Ever since that got implemented, you know, there's no there's no mid card on either show. You have each shows supposed stars on on TV, you know, two nights a week. Yeah. So hopefully there is more definition. We have more time to develop more guys and you know people get some tv time i'll tell you one thing uh, two things that i, I want to see um so one of them i mentioned to you um and i want to see a situation where because we're having this roman reigns versus seth rollins the winner's brand gets the first pick so i want like you know seth rollins to win and <laughs> that's a controversial thing to say. and uh and and raw and raw gets the first pick and out comes some numb nut and he just says with the first pick raw selects Roman Reigns and Seth's just like how dare you <laughs> I just won that match and they're like yeah but I mean we want the big you're dog. not cool <laughs> whatever <laughs> but, that means <laughs> yeah so but my other dream scenario is that you talked about like network things right because yeah. the network wants it I want Fox to legitimately bring out like members of their network I want Terry Bradshaw I want <laughs> Shannon Sharp to come out with a bottle of Hennessy and select uh, Drake know. Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> we at the Fox Network want Drake Maverick. It's like we at Fox want that smoke. <laughs> That's also a big thing. Like, do you think that any is NXT gonna get like? I, are we gonna get any call ups? Is anybody gonna move to NXT? Is that even an option at this point? I I I, th- I think we'll see it. Uh, I I don't know how much. Um, but I, I think we'll see a little bit of it. Um, but, you know, I don't think we'll see a ton of it. Um, so, uh, this, is a, this, is, this is a really interesting one to me uh, of, of our uh, three count. And that is uh, that uh, legendary rapper Master P has uh, purchased a wrestling company. House of Glory. <laughs> yeah, House of Glory, also known as Hog. Um, so, yeah, he, so he had recently purchased this company... Uh, House of Glory, for those who don't know, uh, House of Glory's been around for a hot minute. It was actually started by uh, TNA wrestler uh, Amazing Red. And I think Private Party came from there, but, or at least with X. I know Bucks have wrestled there a few a times. A lot of people. Uh, Young yeah. Bucks. Ricochet was their first champion. Uh, there's There have been tons of guys to go through there. So they, they have a lineage, and they're a respected company in the, in the indie scene. No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't see this going anywhere, really. But uh, I think they're just going to continue to kind of be where they are. Maybe go a little bit higher. Um, but I, I, like, there's not a ton to really see here because, and like, it was funny to me because Master P was saying that uh, he, um, 
he's like, Vince is in trouble. And I'm like, <laughs> stop. Well, here's the thing. P, P has always thought big. He likes, I mean, you say what you want about the man, and, and plenty of people used to, but like he is probably one of the most successful independent rap rap artists to ever come out. Like he legitimately built No Limit from the ground up, selling it out of the back of his car to what it ended up being. Yes, he's, you know, he has some you know troubles after that. I know that they've gone bankrupt since then, but like Master, like, Say what you want, man. Puts his mind on something. He he does it. I'm not saying that he's is it going to be a rival for for WWE. Probably not. But you know the market's a little bit bigger right now. You got NWA power. You know, kind of making a, uh, some headway right now on YouTube. An hour special show. If anybody should check that out, love the feel of that. And that's very small, but it's a very niche kind of a thing. And I said, if you're a wrestling fan, if you want to tune into that, like if he got a deal something like that where he was just doing YouTube and uploading with that. Hell, NWA pulled in, I think, almost 10,000 or 100, maybe, I think over 100,000 views by this point. I mean, it's the game has changed now. Like, he he may not be he may not be doing WWE or even AEW numbers by any, any means necessary, but he can probably make some headway. I mean, it's exciting news for wrestlers anyway. It's very possible that he kind of pulls like an ECW type thing where it's like ECW wasn't doing what WCW and WWE were, but they had a respectable audience still. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm not denying that that's, that's definitely possible, but it, he's got roots in wrestling. If anybody remembers it, like if it was a 99, yeah. I think in 2000, he was in WCW, uh, doing the whole feud with us, with, uh, the NWO black and white when, uh, uh, Kurt Henning did the rap is crap song. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, I just watched that. Like he had a song out called Hootie Who. Uh, that's what doing when Conan was going out talking about, they were bowdy bowdy and rowdy yeah. rowdy. <laughs> like it was. So, I mean, it's kind of funny to see P back into the wrestling world, if anybody does remember that, if you're, you know, as old as I am. Yeah, Hootie uh, Hootie was actually one of my favorite songs from that era. And, <laughs> and it's it's and it's always funny to me because I'm just like, I listen to it now, I'm like, wow, this is a dark song. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny, you, you talk about the WCW thing. Uh, I was actually going to bring that up at some point uh, because I was reading the LA Times article. And the first line said that he had bought this company. And then it said, you know, sometimes when you write an article, you kind of want to, like, have aliases that you refer to like a person as so you're not just saying the same phrase over and over and over again so first time it says master p has purchased this company blah 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 and then it says the former wcw superstar (laughs) (laughs) he technically i mean i don't don't know if he actually had a match but like he had a couple of guys character yeah yeah, it was kind of like icp and wwe yeah like you know they he was a character it wasn't a wrestler or anything but he associated himself with certain wrestlers. He's part of story. Yeah, because it was like during the whole like Wolfpack and uh, yeah, and uh, black NWO black and white days. Well, and, and he he's always wanted to kind of do, and he kind of touched this in this in his announcement. He's always wanted to get a part of like an NBA team or something. And, like he was looking into buying uh, before they had moved around. Like he was, I, I think it was like the Charlotte uh, Hornets originally. He wanted to buy them at one point. Obviously, Michael Jordan. Uh, 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 owns them, but uh, like he he wanted to to buy them at one point, and uh, he talked about that. He didn't directly mention that, but he he talked about in his announcement that you know he, uh, you know not owning we may not own sports teams, we may not own this. But he's like, but I don't remember the phrase he used, but he's like, but we own this and we're running this business. Mm-hmm. And I and I thought that was really interesting. So I, one thing I am kind of looking out for if he's going to use almost like almost kind of a bitterness for toward between not being able to get into like the basketball world to fuel his fire to make this company good. I said I think he's a businessman. Like I said, I mean, if like he I, he he actually played. I think he he had a trial game within uh, with NBA. He might have played with a, was it yeah, Raptors he, or something for a yeah, little bit, he, or he's on yeah, the bench. He did. Uh, but like I said, I mean, like Master P is like I say, he's honestly kind of an inspirational dude. And as far as like do it yourselfers out there and like you know self starting entrepreneurs out there, so it'd be interesting to see how far he goes with this. Yeah, uh, make him say umpy. <laughs> Uh, so okay, so we're now going to move to our moment of the week. Uh, There's a lot to go on this week. So, Fontaine, what was your moment of the week? My moment of the week came uh, last night at AEW Dynamite. Uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, the pain maker Chris Jericho and his new stable, the Inner Circle, made their you no know, official debut as a group and kind of announced their names. He went through all day. Uh, Jericho did you know a great promo and like I said, if we're hearkening back on the whole no script and everything, and Jericho is a master of manipulating the audience. Uh, so he, you know, gets everybody out there, introduces, uh, the, you know, Santino and Ortiz, puts them over as tough and nails, rusty, dirty guys. Uh, puts over Sammy Guevara. Uh, he re Then he he gets to Jake Hager or Hagar. I apologize. 
And uh, the audience starts the We the People chant. And rather than lean into it, rather like they, like they had been doing, in my moment of the week, Jericho says, that's bad creative and it's dead and buried. It was, you know, and he, like the audience oozed and ahs over it. He was like, that was stupid then and it's stupid now. We're over, we like, over it. And the, then what does the audience do? They stop chanting We the People and they start chanting AEW. Uh, like I said, shout out to the Ayatollah of rock and roller. Like I said, he's still like he is Mr. Pro Wrestling. Uh, matter of fact, that he uh, retweeted something I sent out yesterday, a couple of days ago. Uh, one of his like he's always known how to. If if you want a master class on how to be any kind of heel, look at Jericho during any of his runs. Like even that young kind of like where MJF is right now is that young upstart heel and kind of you know just very cocky and over brash and and just a brat and a jerk. He was doing that back in '98. I was watching that uh, his lead up to the match for with Dean Malenko shortly after the original list of Jericho of the Thousand of Four Holds. Um, he walks to the ring, and there's an there's a excited fan in the front row with a sign that says, Jericho Rules. He takes it, and oh yeah, and he shows the camera, and he's all smiling, and looking at the guy, and he tears up the sign and says, I'm too good to be that guy's role model. Like I said, the I, <laughs> Jericho is a master class on what it is to be a heel, and he knows how to get, even as a babyface, he knows how to get over. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Jericho. He's my pick for the moment of the week. What you got, Mr. Uh, Reach to Trust? So before I get onto that, I do want to kind of just rebuttal and just kind of say what I thought about that. Uh, I thought that was, yeah, that amazing moment. Uh, the the one thing that, that I loved was how he acknowledged he was almost like paying an homage or almost kind of burying his previous characters because mm-hmm. he mentioned at one point, like every every time he would mention a guy being great he'd be like they're on my list uh-huh. you know and stuff so he did the whole list thing and then he was he was doing the whole um the whole you know what happens you're gonna get it yeah. because he was just like he was talking to cody and he'd be like you know what you know what happens you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> and so i was like oh that's such a good way to do it but i i thought yeah that was an amazing start to it to a fact and i've seen some people have some gripes about it like how dare he shit talk the company to put him over it wasn't about that it was about putting over what he was doing now you can't lean on OWW creative or look old stars we're trying to establish something in aew so last thing you want jack jake hagar being associated with is a wwe gimmick so he did exactly what needed to be done and was bury the past and move forward toward the future well and one of the most garbage things that wwe does is like when they chant shit they make their guys like ignore it it's just like he acknowledged it and he was able to make them stop and that's what i loved about honestly that thing the best was i was because last week aw we didn't get like a lot of promos or anything like that it was mostly just pure wrestling I love this because I was watching it and I'm like, unscripted. He's like, learned, and being unscripted allows him to actually control the audience. When you have to be scripted, there's probably sometimes a lot of those guys want to be able to say things to respond to the audience, but they know they can't or it's going to yeah. get them off track. The last thing they want to do is, you know, flub a line or be out there lost in what they're supposed to take the story. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely shined a light on a lot of the differences between the, 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 what the pro- this product is and what you're going to get, you know, from and opposed to anything else. Yeah, sucker and succotash, that was a good problem. <laughs> so yeah, so mine, uh, I kind of had been thinking about this all day because there was a lot of good, there was a lot of good stuff this week that I, I loved. Uh, I was considering the one that you just did. I was... I was considering the short but sweet, sweet stuff we saw from uh, Ray Ripley, and like there was a lot of stuff I really loved. Um, but ultimately, I have to give it to Leah Rush winning the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, they, I'm assuming they're going to update the belt to feature the NXT logo as opposed to the W, because it's always the WWE logo on it. Mm-hmm. May even change the color. Who knows? I would love it. I've seen that render of it as yeah. black and gold online a bunch of times. I would love if they transitioned to that. Yeah, so uh, I think it's great because it's moving to a new era because, uh, you know, Leo was not featured as much on 205 Live. He was occasionally, but, and so they're kind of moving to this new era of the Cruiserweight title. And it was great because I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this match is over. Like, that didn't happen on 205 Live. You can watch 205 Live, and you can respect matches, and you can know they're good as an audience member sitting at home because you're choosing to watch those matches. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of the live audiences are forced to stay after SmackDown, so they're not invested in these matches. No matter, Like, sometimes they'll pop for, like, a spot, but, like, 
it's not very big because they're kind of bored between that point because they don't care. They've been there for two to three, four hours of wrestling at that point. Yeah, and these audiences cared. They were there to watch that match, and they they thoroughly enjoyed it because it was a great match. And uh, my favorite moment of that match, uh, there, there were, and there was lots of great moments. Like, Leo Rush is a fantastic performer. Like, first of all, let me just say this. One of my favorite things over the last year of wrestling is Lashley, Lashley. <laughs> I had that that stuck in my head for so long, and I, he was so good at it. Like legitimately, the, like the dirt sheets were saying that like the only reason they stopped doing that was because he was good at it and he knew it, and that was a problem. Fuck off. So, <laughs> so here's so here's the thing with Leo Rush, and and, I, and this was my favorite moment of the match. Was also my favorite thing about Mauro Ranella, quoting it how I remember it. So I might be slightly off with what he said. But it was a big spot from Leo Rush, and he goes, Leo Rush is spelled L-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out tomorrow. I love him. <laughs> like, that line itself is ridiculous, but the fact that you scream it is hilarious to me. Oh, that's great. Um, so, yeah, that whole bit was fantastic. Uh, he did a little kind of backstage promo afterwards. It was great. Uh, I think he's somebody to really, like, tie your tie your company to because I think he is a fantastic talent um, in the ring. His like a lot of people like criticize his size, but that what makes him is so it's unique. Well, not only that, but I mean, because he's smaller than like most cruiserweights, even and like he's like a young Rey Mysterio. If you and, like, yes, <laughs> and that's what's crazy about it is the spots he does are like would be impossible for anybody else because he's so light and he like floats around the ring practically. Mm-hmm. So that was my moment of the week. I, I and it was also my moment of the week because it got NXT off to like such a great oh, start. Yeah. Like and I and I. I was all in on it, and uh, they, it was another element to the show that we brought in that was new. And I'm, and my main worry with NXT going to the USA Network has been, are we going to overexpose guys again? Because the great thing about NXT is we don't see people often. And they were doing different stuff. They weren't just doing the same stories as we did last week. They were doing different stuff. Um, so I thought it was great. I think they still have enough of the roster, because I think a two-hour show is not a three-hour show. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. So, like, I mean, there's a lot they can get lost in that translation there. Uh, but I think... Hey, I, I wanted to kind of piggyback on what you were talking about about the old two hundred five live shows. I've been in a lot of those, a couple of those tapings, and not everybody always stays. Uh, so it's it's and those shows are actually pretty good. I've seen Leo, I saw Leo Rush, I think, at the uh, two hundred five live in Denver uh, when they it was after one of their SmackDowns, and I was really impressed with him. They actually had a match with uh, Ali, and it, it's nice to see those guys get an actual showcase of an audience in front of an audience that appreciates them. Uh, so it, I, I I thought they were talked about maybe moving 205 Live to Fridays. I honestly think they should just no. kind of get rid of it at this point. The just, fa- yeah, the fact that it's being put on NXT, I think it's just It's the of, best showcase for it. You're going to get a passionate audience behind these guys, and they definitely deserve it with the work they put out there. Yeah. I, I remember I went to a, I went to a uh, SmackDown, and afterwards they had 205 Live, and there was a match between Hideo and Tommy, and uh, Roderick Strong. And halfway through the match, they would boo when the babyface would kick out because they just wanted the match to be over. And it was a good match, but it was just like the only... But the problem was you said people would leave. No one was leaving because the dark match advertised was Shinsuke Nakamura. And every and like I would say about half the people there were there to see Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah, no one's leaving. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So now we're going to move forward to our special segment of the day, which is we're going to talk about the absolute trash booking that we have seen in the last week. Um, and we're just going to talk about it up front. Um, I'm going to say that before we get into details, I think an overall summary of this is that it's not the what that happened. It's how it happened. A lot of these booking decisions, in a dream world, they're not what I would want, but... At the end of the day, I'm not somebody who'd be like, you have to do what I like the best. It's just like, do it, but do it at least smart and do it to where it's still entertaining and it, it's not insulting my intelligence. And there was a lot of that, and I think that was the general issue. Now, let's kind of start where it all started. Let's talk about the Kofi Kingston-Brock Lesnar match. Here's, here's the thing. I think, like a lot of us, when I first heard the announcement of Kofi versus Brock, I had kind of accepted that, you know, this is probably going to be the end of Kofi's reign. And I made peace with that. Because if you would have asked me, you know, back before Elimination Chamber last year, or uh, whatever that was, earlier this year, uh, if that Kofi Kingston was going to get a six-month title reign, 
I would have asked what you were smoking and told you to pass me that shit or at least tell me who your plug was. Such a dominant reign. You have him go through Daniel Bryan. No, fuck that. Before that, you have him go through the entire SmackDown roster twice. Uh, then you, he goes through Daniel Bryan twice. Uh, then he goes and he goes on a tear beating everyone from Kevin Owens to, you know, Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I get it, it's Dolph Ziggler, but yeah, still Dolph Ziggler. Sami Zayn, AJ Styles uh, 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 on a champion showcase. Uh, Samoa Joe, uh, Randy Orton. Like, you have him, he probably lost, he lost, he's only pinned maybe two or three times in the entire six months that he was champion. So he was booked so strong. So you give me this fighting hero story and then you hiss it all away in seven seconds for Brock Lesnar. Not because you were rushed for TV time, because you had a whole seven minutes of awkward time with him between him and Cain Velasquez after that, uh, whether Brock teasing get back and forth the ring. It wasn't pressed for time. It was literally Vince's choice. Now, from what I've read, and you know, dirt sheets, and you know, obviously I take a lot of stuff with grain of salt, that people try to talk Vince out of that specific finish. Not so much the Kofi drop of the title, but just the seven second, no no offense, one F5, boom, you're done. And Vince refused. You you take all this time building up this guy who has been loyal to your company for 11 years, you give him a hero's run. And like I said, no one could take that WrestleMania 35 away from Kofi. So at the end of the day, I still think, you know, he, you know Kofi's got a lot to be happy about, a lot to be proud about. But to piss away all that for a seven second squash, to not even get him a a, a a a moment of offense to like when you've had Brock go on a tear a, a, a great matches with Daniel Bryan fucking uh, Finn Balor uh, Seth Rollins AJ Styles where he's having competitive matches with small guys and for whatever reason Kofi can't even get off one trouble in terabyte uh, trouble in paradise and rock the motherfucker fuck you so that was. Almost, it, it was almost, it almost felt spiteful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to like, I gave you what you guys want. I let you even, let them even have for six months. Now, fuck you. Let me get my title back. And that's what it felt like, more so less than Brock snatching it. It felt like it was Vince taking that away from us. So, I, you know, while like I said, it doesn't spoil Kofi's reign for me necessarily. It, it, it kind of, it, it pisses me off for Kofi because I feel like he just deserved better than that. Like, I have heard the phrase from many, even from, you know, other wrestlers to, you know, to everybody in the fan. The phrase did him dirty has been everywhere, and that's the only way to put it, you know. And, and there was nothing more sad than seeing that interview with him on WWE.com later that time. And I don't know if this was something he just... He, he said because he didn't know what else to say or if it was to, he was told to say it. But when he said, I'll have to go back and look at the tape, I was like, the tape? M motherfucker, just pull up your phone, man. It's, it's a 30-second clip, and most of that is the plug for uh, the WWE Network at the end of it. So, I mean, like I said, it'd be a terrible booking decision. Obviously, like I said, it's not so much about, like I said, it's not the what happened, but the how. Kofi deserved better. Um, do I see Kofi getting another t championship title match or even run? Probably not. Maybe not even soon. Soon. I, would, I mean, who knows? I didn't see him get this one, so I would love to be wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 a questionable booking at best of what I can say uh, to that decision. How about you, Brian? For those of you who follow us on Twitter, HTW Pod, um, the night uh, the Friday Night SmackDown happened, I was I was the one who was live tweeting it, and uh, you can see a general just falling apart because I lost it. Um, so same as you. I had accepted that this was that he was going to lose, because generally when when Brock was announced as a challenger, I, I figured, well, yeah, <laughs> it's you, Brock, know. you know, yeah, yeah, we know what's going to happen here. Um, we we had our hopes and we had ideas of how you could avoid it. On our predictions last week, we both predicted that that Kofi would win because it seemed like the obvious thing that Brock would win. So why not surprise us? Sure, yeah. sure. So then it happened, and I honestly didn't even consider. A five-second match or eight-second, whatever it was. Um, I, I didn't even consider it because I thought there's no way. It's a six-month reign. This isn't like when Kevin Owens had it and when he lost to Goldberg. Because Owens was mostly relegated to kind of like a com comedic character during his title run with Jericho. And so it, they weren't taking it the most seriously anyway. And we were leading into a storyline with Jericho, with, with, not with Jericho, with Goldberg, where we knew where they were headed. 
and so it was kind of acceptable. Kofi was but way stronger than Kevin Owens' universal title. 20 That's, times yeah, better. Yeah. And so there was a lot of frustration with that. The biggest frustration I have is it wasn't necessary. So, okay, Booker T was recently uh, talking on his podcast, and he said that he was okay with it because if you take someone like Kofi and you pair him up against someone like Brock, that's what's going to happen. Two things about that. One, it's wrestling. Shut up. We accept it. It's fine. Uh, Secondly, oh, well then, Daniel Bryan never should have won a WWE championship. Ken Shamrock should have been the greatest WWE champion of all time. Hell, Ken Shamrock should have been a WWE champion. So, stop that. I get what you're saying, but that is making up an excuse. And again, here's the other side of it. Brock, then have Brock win. And maybe, like, because you talked about how have Kofi hit a trouble in paradise or something. Like, we don't even have to do that. Like, something could have happened. Like, Kofi could have pulled the Muhammad Ali. Like, he could have just got the crap kicked out of him for 10 minutes and just lasted and lasted. And then Brock gets tired. And then he maybe gets in an offensive attack. And then, and then hell, maybe he still ultimately loses. Or um, you could have something where, where Kofi just runs like for a long time and Brock maybe goes to tackle him and he runs into a barricade and he hurts himself. And then it's kind of more of an even match because there's a handicap. Or this was the most common sense to me. So you're building towards this Cain Velasquez Brock thing, right? Why the hell does a WWE championship have to be part of it? It does not, okay? One guy's never there. We know the other guy's not really ever going to be there. It's but one... their names, they'll sell tickets. So it's one thing when you have one guy who's a part-timer and he's rarely there. Because the other guy, who's part of the story, he can be there every week, kind of hype it up. But when neither guy is there, are you fucking kidding me? So, okay, so you want to build this match up. I respect that. It, it has a high billing. It has a backstory to it already. And they brought in the whole thing with Rey Mysterio. I get it. It's great. Here's how you... You can do two things, really three things, but like two things mainly. You can have uh, Cain Velasquez come out and cost Brock the match. What better way to build hatred in that fucking storyline? Number two, you can have Cain Velasquez come out and like at least like attack Brock to where now he's vulnerable and like kind of like how Daniel Bryan gave Brock the low blow in the match mm-hmm. and then he, you kind of thought he might you know beat him. Because it's like, oh, Brock's vulnerable. They could do that with him to where, like, he almost gets beat. You know, you could have pulled, like, a Stone Cold Steve Austin where he comes out, he distracts the Rock, and the Hurricane rolls him up and pins him. You know, as Simon Miller would say, the most dangerous move in all of WWE. But, yeah, like, there were so many other ways to avoid this. Like, this was not like, oh, well, we're building towards, you know, Brock versus Cain Velasquez. And, uh, you know, it's very important. And it's like, no, this is not the only way to do it. And most importantly, this is what pisses me off is that you're trying to build this product, right, for Fox. And you're trying to, like, really get off to a good, a good start. There is no way, there is no way that Vince McMahon saw this and said the people will love it. What Vince said was, I will love this, and they can suck it. I, I definitely feel like the overall, I, I'll get into that in a second, but it, it definitely felt like a middle finger to the to the audience, and I think it's you know the whole thing is that he he knows he feels like most of us are marked. Especially, I feel like he's Vince is okay with with the way his market works because he's always reaching out to kids. He's trying to keep that market. And if you keep kids, you got the parents got to bring them. And, and I think the eighteen to forty nine year old demographic, he feels like half of us are marks, so we're always going to turn tune in anyway. And the other half, he'll recycle in and out. So it always, it, I don't think he's really invested in necessarily always pleasing us. And there's a such thing as too much fan service, but yeah, this is, there's also a such thing as abusing your, your, your audience's intelligence. What this kind of struck me as, and it was really interesting, and I'm not saying it's going to go down this road, but it honestly was like a thing when WCW was going head-to-head with WWE and WCW just shot themselves in the foot. And just did, did dumb stuff that made audiences go, oh, well, now I know where to tune in. Yeah, this, uh, it, it, it seemed like almost arrogance. Because, I mean, I'm going to go, I mean, I don't know if you want to just kind of just hop right into it. Uh, but, you know, two nights later was Hell in a Cell. 
uh, which opened out with a fucking bang. It was a pretty stellar show. Becky and Sasha tore the fucking house down. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, I mean, there was I me, mean, Daniel Bryan and, and Roman Reigns versus Luke Harper and uh, and Eric Rowan. Amazing match. Brothers uh, don't shake hands. Brothers, brothers hug. Yeah, like you know, the show started off really hot. I mean, I I, I even enjoyed Bailey and Charlotte. I I enjoyed the their impromptu matches that the ones they threw together with Ali and Randy Orton. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, the thing is. Randy knows how to pop me nowadays with an RKO out of nowhere. I thought the whole spot with the first R- R- RKO, uh, you know, I've never seen anybody do that to kind of escape it. So it was an interesting match. It was something we haven't seen really before. So. That, was, that was fantastic. Ali just bores me. So, I, fair. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to argue that. Uh, but, you know, you have a pretty, oh, like, at the very least, you have a pretty good show going. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if anybody's been listening to the podcast, obviously, I've already said my thoughts about why my, why I had reservations about the fee and getting a title shot too soon is because I felt it was too soon, not because he couldn't be a great champion or people wouldn't love it, but I didn't see them putting the belt on. I just didn't see them doing it. I couldn't buy that Vince was going to go ahead and do this right now, and I felt that this was not the time to play with the audience's emotions because we're still, like, we're still, we just got him one time in the ring. So, like, we're still, like, learning more about The Fiend. So, like, why not, like, give, you know, while we, well, let us clamor for him to be a champion, but give us more to watch first. But anyway, I was, I accepted it, and, you know, I was excited for the match none, none, nonetheless. Um, watched it. I was even, like I said, I saw it after the fact, so I kind of already knew that, you know, what was going on. But I didn't even have so much of a problem with the whole no-selling things. I thought it was really, actually, it did, I think there was a lot of storytelling in 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 the match for for the ending, and I thought that it really lent itself to to his character. So I don't think me. I think it definitely I'll, I'll, that kind of stuff helped him because it made him look strong. Because he he took I don't know like it felt like 10, 15, 20 stomps. Uh, like he just ate all of Seth's offense and spit it back at him. What that does for Seth, what the why that was booked that way, I don't know. But I think there was a little bit too much of it at some point, whatever. Because you know. Had they even still put the title on on Bray, he Seth's finisher still needs to fucking mean something. I mean, it's, he still has to go somewhere, you know. Even outside the title picture, say what you want about any wrestler, but there still has to be a direction for them to go. So I kind of felt that was a, there was a little bit too much of it. But regardless, it's a hell in a cell match. This is this was it. Now I've I guess I I I saw the first hell in a cell in '97. Uh, with uh, with Michaels and can't, and I can't but a taker and the thing about that if you go to the build because you just watched it for the revisionist history what was the whole purpose of the cell that somebody has to win there has to be a definitive winner and number one their whole reason there beyond that just because they, we, we needed a winner was because it was a blood feud by that point Michaels had been just tormenting and getting under the skin he cost taker the, the wwf title at SummerSlam before then he he had been pissing taker off to the point where the, he needed to have him in a enclosed space where no one can get in and michaels could not get out so it was built that we needed to have a definitive winner at the end of this match we saw mankind years later after that literally almost die in front of us like the call was oh my god he killed him and the match went on Mick Foley gets back up there was no calling off of the match after he's not only thrown off the cage but through the cage when his nose is poking out of his nose like, the match continued until they, they tried to drag him out but the referee didn't stop the match itself they tried to get on the gurney but like even when he got back off the gurney the match continued from there you're seeing a trend here that hell in a cell is supposed to be a definitive end for a feud. So why would number one? Why would you book a first match between two people and this? Because this is if I'm just accepting Bray as this, the Fiend is a new character. So I would say this is their first match between the Fiend and Seth Rollins. Why would you book their first encounter into a hell in a cell? There's no. There's no. That's that. It's jumping the shark in their first outing. So and to do that and for your second year in a row have a no contest or no finish for your Hell in a Cell. It's time to retire the the match, at least for a while. We don't need to do another Hell in a Cell. It's kind of fucked at this point. It's, I do not want to see another one for a long time because it it's, it's another match by this point. You can lose a Hell in a Cell by a no contest. So if they've... 
So the audience is pissed, and they're shitting all over the match, and they're yelling everything as far as AEW, we want refunds, restart the match. And apparently, once again, Vince is in the back cackling, from what I understand. And, like, he's eating it up, because at this point, he's just, you know, he, we're marks, and it doesn't fucking matter. So I have now discovered a trend of what I said. I'm going to piggyback up something you said a, a couple weeks ago. Vince gets in these things, these mindsets, right? When he, he gets into a, a thing and he, he, he likes it so much, like the, every tag team being new or everybody being brothers. Vince's new thing for real is cucks. Now, at first, we thought the first cuck was Mike Nellis. Uh, then we had the whole thing with Rusev. And now this, I think Vince is cucking us now. <laughs> no, hear me out. He's taking our favorite wrestlers, whether, you, you know, you may almost say majority, probably fame, but even if you're a or no matter what, and he's fucking them in front of us and he's daring us to do anything about it and we're paying him to do it those of us who subscribe and go to his shows so i i guess that i felt the only reason i had to watch raws because i knew we had to talk about it if we didn't have to i really wanted could have just waited for AEW and nxt on wednesday oh, yeah all right so there was so much wrong with this um so if you want to let me just take you a little peek behind the curtain right here. I'm a very empathetic person. Uh, I've been told by that time and time again by people. I'm not one of those basic bitches like, I'm an empath. I am an actual very empathetic person. I always analyze things and I try to see everybody's point of view and uh, see where they're coming from, even if I don't agree with it. So I look at this from all standpoints. and I say, okay, so why do you want to do this, right? Um, what's, what, what is the possible, possible benefit of actually wanting to do this and there's you know you want to maybe extend the story or you don't want maybe you don't want seth to look you know just like he got destroyed like kofi kingston did um you know i look at all these things i'm like okay maybe you don't want to take the title off seth yet there's all solutions to these one don't want to take the title off seth don't put him in the match right don't make this match make him build to this make this at a survivor series make this at a wrestlemania right so there's that uh if if you don't want seth to look bad again same thing do that or or my biggest thing is to go into the final point if you if you want this to be a no contest don't put a hell in a cell no like this i know it's at the hell in a cell pay-per-view and it was the biggest match but i mean you could have gotten away with putting a completely different match in hell in a cell or just had the one just had the one hell in a cell match Audience would have accepted. I mean, who's to say just because we're at Hell in a Cell, there has to be two Hell in a Cell matches? But I mean, like Royal Rumble, for the longest time, there's only one Royal Rumble, you know? I mean, so like Survivor Series, some years there's only one Survivor Series match. So here's so you don't need to do Hell in a Cell if you're going to do the no finish. You could have done any old match. It's just a regular just match. Yeah, that's, that's the same. Like, it, it did not have to be Hell in a Cell, right? So... So that, all that going inside. Now, I don't have a problem. I know you did, but I didn't have a problem with the stomping thing because to me, it kind of reminded me of... It's not really so much a problem, but it just got, it was too much. And I get that. And, but here was the other thing. You're building that. And it's bad storytelling because you're building it and you're building it. He's stomping, he's stomping. He's still getting up. He's still getting up. It's barely affecting him. And I'm waiting for the moment where he pops up and, and that's where he wins. And it never happened. And it happened after the match, but I'm like, if you're still willing to do that, just do it during the match. Have them win. So here's the other issue. And the biggest, this is honestly probably the biggest issue I have with it. Because again, storytelling. So the match, and this is misquoted because I'm Sean Waltman and like a few other people like have came out and said, how the fuck do you get disqualified in in a hell in a cell? They're right. Now, technically, WWE will say it wasn't disqualification. It was a it was a ref stoppage, which I noticed at, in the match. I mean, that was obvious. But first of all, like you know, freaking potato potato, like it's the same freaking thing. Nick almost literally died in front of us. Yeah. So so here's the thing. Here's the issue with that. And and you made the great point of all these things that happened before wasn't a big deal, but all of a sudden this happens, right? So the referee supposedly thought that uh, the fiend was in such danger that, you know, this is a person's life. It's like, first of all, we are establishing here as a part of storytelling. We are establishing 
that the fiend is not a person. He's a monster. He's a monster. He's a he's a like a, a different incarnation of a person who, by the way, he at that point was he was a person, but he was also even elevated at that standpoint. So for this person to be even more elevated, he's controlling lights. He's doing all this crazy crap. Like he's not a person, and. We're trying to have, they're treating him like he's this underdog, sympathetic character. It's like, no. Like, could you imagine, right? So could you imagine if there was a match, and I, and I hate to harken stuff back to the Attitude Era, because obviously it was different. Obviously we saw things different. We know more about health regulations and concussions. And so there wasn't that kind of like subplot to drive stuff. And I understand that. But the issue is, can you imagine if there was a match between, like, I don't know, let's say Undertaker and Kane, or Kane and Steve Austin, right? And let's say Austin. And Austin is just taking a chair to Kane's head over and over, and Kane keeps sitting up and sitting up. And eventually Austin, oh, I don't know, he, he takes a steel steps, put it on top of Kane's head, and then he takes the chair and he smashes it with it. And the rest, could you imagine the rest saying, that's enough, you're going to kill him? Well, hey, Steve, you're not this kind of person. Don't do that, Steve. Yeah, like, no, it's Kane. And honestly, I think like Kane is probably the better. Uh, now a lot of people take Undertaker. I think Kane is. Actually I think better. Kane. I think that's spot on. Uh, especially with the red lights. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the, the that's that was the whole thing. I'm like, why are we having sympathy for a monster? Like that's what blew my mind. So I was legitimately looking at this, and I was looking at Rollins, and like I, I understand he's a baby face, and you know you don't want to make him seem like he's this monster, or whatever. But hearken it back to Bailey and the and the, the 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 kendo stick versus Alexa Bliss, where he was like hesitant, like, do I want to do it? Do I want to do it? And like, yeah, of course, there's going to be a hesitancy because you're going to do something vicious. But it was almost like you're not that person. I'm like, what a winner! Oh, you mean he's not the person who stumped his quote-unquote best friend slash brother's head through a cinder block about six years ago? He is that person. Yeah. That's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean. I've already talked about how big of a Seth Rollins fan I am, so I, I'm not going to get into that. But that's w what it comes down to more booking and character. But like, if I think we, we lean too much on like the whole, yay, I'm going to do what's whenever anybody becomes their top face. Like Roman Reigns became a little bit too sunshiny good guy when he was a good. And that doesn't work for everybody. Like Seth is works better when he's a little bit more like like an edge. I mean, not to, even to, to turn a phrase, but Edge, even in his heel, uh, uh, his baby face days toward the end, was still not opposed to, you know, bending the rules or getting dirty or, like, you know, hurting someone or just being, like, being extreme. Like, I mean, hell, that last a couple of matches he had with, uh, with Berto Del Rio went a little bit far toward the end. But, like, a character needs, mo like, true motivations that we can understand. I understand the, the story they told. I don't have a problem with the story they told. Like I say, and when I say that the stomp thing bothered me, it bothered me because there was no payoff on it. Was just like you said. Yeah. That's why I said you had That's that. Fair. You had that go on so much, and it was over and over. Nothing. Nothing about how that match concluded serviced either of them. Because even by the point when Bray did get back up and gave uh, Seth the mandible claw, the audience was booing still. Like that didn't. It didn't service anyone. Like, and, and, they, <laughs> and they didn't stick with it because here was. Here was the thing I found interesting at the end of the match, right? And everybody was booing and chanting AEW and bullshit and we want refunds and like all that. Um, they had a spot at the end where he not only hit him with Sister Abigail on the concrete, but he did the manable claw and Seth had blood coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And I thought that, that was something I actually really liked. Now, obviously, we were so past the point of no return that we couldn't really appreciate it. But, like, that was something that I thought was, like, okay, that's interesting. Like, he, like, straight up, like, demolished him there. And and I don't want to get too much into this because we're just talking about this moment. But then it kind of frustrated me that and that they did that, but they didn't even mention it the next night. Like, they, they waited two and a half hours to mention the, the bit because, obviously, they were regretting it. Because Vince did laugh, but the report also was... He Moments up. later, he's like, yeah, my bad. Which to me shows me that he made a decision in his mind, didn't analyze it, didn't think about how it'll go over any of this stuff. He just said that. And then maybe if somebody tried to talk him out of it, he just said, no, it's my idea. So we're going to do it. Like, you're not thinking about it. You're just saying that would be cool. Like, and it goes to this whole thing. Like, and, I, and then again, hate to compare stuff to the Attitude Era. But when we started the Attitude Era, Vince said, Quite frankly, you're tired of being having your intelligence insulted. What are you doing right now? Because here's here's the, so here's the other big thing. Actually, there there was a report 
that came out. A lot of wrestlers were, were interviewed about this. Several people backstage were interviewed. And according to sources, they were anonymously stated as saying that they didn't understand the Hell in a Cell ending. And they supposedly described it as a quote-unquote disaster and quote-unquote insulted the fans' intelligence. The people working for your company, the people who've been studying wrestling all this time, the people who will admit from time to time Vince McMahon can be a genius, I think that's bullshit, but they will say that from time to time, they are saying that it insulted our intelligence. We're not buying it. Like, that's the problem. There's one thing to boo because you don't like something. And I totally think sometimes it's okay to do something that fans are not going to like on purpose to piss them off. Because sometimes that can work. You need it. Yeah, you need heel heat. Yeah, so, because today, we're not going to buy into the kayfabe stuff. We're going to cheer guys we want to cheer. We're going to boo guys we want to boo. So sometimes, maybe it's necessary to do crazy crap like that because you need some type of drama. The issue is... We're not buying into it. This is not, oh, I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to tweet about it. Just like Triple H did in that famous yeah. promo. That's not what this is. This isn't, this is, my guy didn't win. This is bullshit. This is, this is awful storytelling. I mean, it honestly had me to a point to where I'm asking, why do I even care? It, like I said, like, I, mean, I think Bully Ray said it best on his podcast, Busted Open, not too long ago. But the heat should never go on the referee. And that's yeah, what yeah. happened at the end of that match because and now and and like I said it like I said in my eyes like, I don't I don't think it I don't hate the idea of it ruining the fiend or anything like that because if you're a fan of the guy one night of the questionable booking shouldn't really change that you sh- it should make you cheer you know louder you know, but like but I understand there is a there is a thing of too much because I mean we all saw what happened to Dolph Ziggler when he had his team and then it lost it so you can do that you can lose too much. But there's there's a way to use wins and losses, and I think you know to go ahead and compare it to something that's current right now. AEW is using losses in a way that is actually really benefiting the story, engaging me, and making me more interested in what's going on with their characters. Uh, I talked about it recently, like the Bucks opened up the uh, Dynamite against uh, Private Party, and they lost. Which busted both of our brackets. I think both of us had the Bucks going on. Yeah, we which, did. Yeah, so what? Like I said, aside from Cody, still the Elite all have losing records. Like everybody in the Elite is kind of on the on the downside right now. But that's got me interested. In what's going on with them as a whole in the story? It's using that loss to to build something. So, so the idea of losing or whatever is killing a character or ruining a character or burying a character is a little lost to me. Cause that's I mean, it just like I said, wins and losses matter, but they matter how they are used moving forward. This, like I said, the heat went on the referee. This had the, like I said, the audience was already kind of like booing Seth going into it anyway because they were so you know amped and hyped and already on the bandwagon for the fiend, which is fine, cool, understandable. Like he's like I said, he's the, one of the hottest things aside from Becky Lynch uh, going on in the company. But you have all this momentum going on. Where you like I say, even if you didn't plan on putting the title on the fiend or or, or whatever the case may be. A run-in. Like I said, we the very first fucking uh, Hell in the Cell, you watch Michaels get thrown all over that motherfucker for like 20, 30 minutes to have Kane come out there, tombstone the Undertaker, and then Michaels barely get the cover. Have somebody do a run-in. Have Braun Strowman. Have, well, I'm going to say, I thought maybe even The Fiend, anybody come in there, cause something to, you know, to end the match where the heat doesn't go on the referee. It goes on something that's going to drive the plot forward. So, I mean... I, 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 like I said, I don't know what Vince's motivation behind the booking was. Like I said, I mean, I mean you got to I mean, I, I credit Vince because like he's definitely responsible for you know what has been my childhood and one of my the things that I've consistently loved most of my life, uh, which is the WWE, whatever. So I can't say that. I mean, I don't see him being a genius in some aspect, but I definitely think that uh, I, th- I think that he he drinks his own Kool Aid a little bit too much, and I, th- I definitely think at the end of the day, he still looks at it as his toy that he can do what he wants with it and like I said he's got half of us of the 18 to 49 year old demographic by the balls because he thinks we're all just fucking cuck marks who no matter what are going to turn around and still watch next week and some of us have to because we have podcasts <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to make one last point I'm going to tie a little bit of a news story into this right so uh, for, for those um, who have been following WWE news recently a, a big thing that's come around is Vince supposedly said that 
uh, he believes that uh, too many members of the roster are too pro-wrestling. And that he hinted, supposedly, at the fact that the product overall was too pro-wrestling. Now, I think this ties in to this because I think that's the reason why he did this finish. He wanted something more story and entertainment-based. And, you know, I get it uh, because in stories, there's there's plot points to where the, the story kind of comes to a halt and then you kind of have to put the pieces back together and then before you have your ultimate climax in the story. So I get, so I get all that, right? Um, but the issue with this is that this is a pay-per-view. Pay-per-view are for pro wrestling. The storylines, the, the entertainment side is for weekly television because that's what gets us interested. Like I, I, a lot of people say we want just sports. We want just pro wrestling, plain pro wrestling. We don't want the entertainment stuff. It's like, no, entertainment is very key because entertainment is what is what gets you invested in the stories, right? Because Eddie Guerrero was, uh, you can argue he was the greatest of all time, but he was definitely top five greatest of all time, in my opinion. And you can talk about how amazing he was in the ring and all that, because he was one of the best at it. But what made Eddie Guerrero especially great was how he was able to invest you emotionally because he was a great entertainer and he was a great storyteller. So obviously storytelling is super, super important. But again, I hate to compare WWE to other brands because they're their own thing. And I'm not anti-WWE. I, I, funny story, I, I went out with a date on this with this woman once and she was a, also a wrestling fan, but she was very anti-WWE. She would refer to them as the Federation. And I was just like, I don't watch the Federation. She's just kind of ranting about like people like Randy Orton and stuff like this. And I was like, I, I get the frustration, but I'm not like so like pretentious to run like screw the system. I'm not watching that. And, like, cause I like the guys in the, in the company and I want to continue to support them. And ultimately I think the best state of wrestling is for the biggest company to be great. And so I want that eventually to happen. But this is why continuously NXT is a thousand times better. Is because every single takeover, we have a finish. Every single takeover, we are convinced what happened. And despite the fact that one person wins and one person loses, guess what? The next week, the person who lost is still fine. They still go on to do something. Because you don't. Loss, yeah, losses matter, but they don't mean burials. You don't have to have a draw for both guys to stay good. Like, like, okay, like, so let's take this into, like, the sports world, right? The New England Patriots, one of the greatest dynasties of all time, if they lose in the playoffs, which they've done tons of times despite winning six Super Bowls, if they lose in the playoffs, no one says, they're done, it's over, they're trash. Because the next year, they can come back and totally win it again. That's the thing. Is So say you put Bray over, right? And Seth loses. That doesn't mean Seth is like his 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 reign is tarnished like it is for Kofi. Like that that doesn't say that because guess what? He can go and get into a meaningful feud with somebody and then maybe win the title back in like six months. And it's like nothing ever happened. But again, on the on the you know on the flip side about that, this I just want to make a statement to fans. This is my TED talk. Everyone's freaking out, and I'm here for you. Um, and I want to tell you that don't panic. Like, this is not the end of The Fiend. Like, yes, it does not look good. Yes, it's not great. But he's going to, he could rebound. Just because he lost, or, or no contest, whatever. Just because this is a bad decision does not mean, oh, Fiend's ruined, it's done, he's buried. Like, don't give up. Like, this, that, that's a garbage take. You're being a sensationalist. There can still be great things that he does from this point forward. Absolutely. And like I said, it's just like even, you know, not that I'm going to ever credit WWE for this because they think they did it very reactionary. Uh, but let's look at the whole Daniel Bryan yes moving thing. Uh, you can, I mean, I remember watching, I think we even watched it together uh, after uh, he wins the match, wins the title from John Cena. And then they turned around and they did the money in the bank cash in with uh, Randy Orton. Uh, you know, he went on for months and everybody was like, put the title on, put the title. They really had no intention of doing it. And, you know, that was not the plan. The, the, the WrestleMania at WrestleMania 30 was not was not in the books. But all that bad booking did lead to something great down the line. So I think sometimes 
which it shouldn't be this way because they shouldn't be reactionary to like, oh yeah, we fucked up. Let's go ahead and make it right. You should be planting seeds and doing things that are gonna, you know, build your world and build investment and have be excited for WrestleMania all the way from year round. I should be excited for every pay per view. I I used to be excited for like for pay per views when they felt like they meant something, you know, all the time. And like I said, I definitely feel like I don't feel like the fiend is necessarily tarnished. Like I said, I think he can still uh, drop that fan investment and actually can still be the biggest thing in the men's side of uh, of wrestling. I, it can it, we can culminate sometime later. His time will still come. I still have more than faith and more than faith in that. But I definitely feel like if anything did come out tarnished out of this last week was Hell in a Cell. I like I, I mean like I mean for me personally, I don't have like two years in a row we had a non finish to a Hell in a Cell match. That's all. That, that's my point of it. Like that's why I can't like say so I agree with you as far as the whole maybe the question about ability of Vince being a genius. Because the concept of that match is amazing. Because it is supposed to be the culmination of a blood feud, an end-all, be-all, and we just saw it shit the bed, and I don't see in how you're going to get me invested into another Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So hopefully he learns from this. Hopefully we don't have one for a while, so make it special for the next time. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I'm going to agree with you. You can't always jump on this whole thing like, oh, he's ruined now, blah, blah, blah. It's because at the end of the day, it is kind of us who ruins and makes them. It takes them too much time. They shouldn't be as reaction. They should kind of like work a little bit better on their storytelling and world building. Maybe think a little bit ahead rather than just week to week. But at the end of the day, I, you don't blame the wrestlers. Don't make, take it out on them. Don't lose. Don't stop cheering for The Fiend just because he lost. Or I'm sorry, had a no contest. This should not ruin his team. Like I said, if anything, this should get you guys, if you're really wanting to see this character go on and do big things, this should get you more behind him. On a lighter note, uh, I really hope that when this happened, Vince uh, took in his inner arc truth and just went, "My bad, you know that that, that one's on me. That's on me." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I going going forward, I, I really hope because uh, one of my favorite things about the Firefly Funhouse is that like it's it's solely Bray's idea, and so he does like a lot of little kind of like Easter eggs, mm-hmm. like like type of things in there, like kind of when I don't. He called, he called Vince the devil and like like all this stuff that was just so good. Um, I'm really curious how he's going to like if he's going to really address this and like the bad booking part of it like oh, going yeah. forward. I feel like he will because I mean he's definitely dropped hints about some of his other questionable booking like the whole worms and, <laughs> and during his WrestleMania match uh, three years ago, two years ago. Well, that didn't go exactly as planned. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that, that wraps up our episode for today. Uh, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram at HTWPod. Also, if you can just honestly just search for us on Facebook, the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast, you can find us on there. Um, and then you can really just, you know, comment and complain about how our advertisements are showing up on your page because apparently that's what people do. Right, because we're, <laughs> we're definitely asking you to buy stuff rather than just maybe click a button. And if you don't like what we're sharing, you can either, you know, keep scrolling or, you know, Fuck off. And if you do, just take it and just post it on both of your parents' Facebook pages because old people love that. Old people really love us. So, so yeah, uh, go ahead and find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go ahead and give, give us a follow. Engage with us. Talk to us about wrestling topics that we post almost daily. Um, also, if you have any issues with anything we say on here, uh, talk to us about it, and I will show up at your house and punch you in the face. I'll uh, just talk about all the podcasts because I don't need any more warrants. <laughs> all right, so uh, that that is going to call us for right now. I am the featured attraction, Brian Dusky. I am the fantastic Mr. Nikki Fontaine. And we will see you guys around soon. Goodbye. <laughs>